Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Jazz Times. Vocalist Veronica Swift was surrounded by some of the greatest musicians in jazz growing up, including her parents, pianist Todd O'Brien and vocalist Stephanie McKazian. Veronica's influences range from this early exposure to jazz to the Fred Astaire movie she loved as a kid to classic rock. Her latest CD, This Bitter Earth, challenges us to think about the times we're in, how we view ourselves and others, and how we take responsibility for it all. Veronica is not only a skilled musician, she is a thoughtful one who uses her music to entertain, provoke, and enlighten the listener, at least the ones who are paying attention. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Veronica and I recorded the following conversation in February 2021. Here's Veronica's father, Hot O'Brien, on piano, and her mother, Stephanie Nikazian, on Handful of Dust. Just a handful of dust That is all we are And we've come from a place In the space between the stars So a scientist said in the paper today it stays in my mind as I see the way we play for to um, everybody growing up, but really my biggest influence would be my parents, for sure. Uh, I grew up on the road with them. Um, it's everything you can possibly imagine it would be, just as a kid in green rooms and uh, on the road and hearing this music. And my, my mother, great jazz singer, as you can hear, that was actually her first recording, is that handful of dust. And that was, I believe, my, my father used to write songs with Fran Landisman a bunch, who... For those listening that don't know, she wrote, you know, the lyrics, Spring Can Really Hang You Up the Most, great jazz lyricist. And my dad and Fran were really good friends. Uh, they wrote, she wrote the lyrics to Handful of Dust, and that was my dad's tune. And he was, you know, very understated composer himself. So I, I'm going to be doing, hopefully, a record of his tunes. Oh, uh, fantastic. Great. And, yeah. So I just loved, I mean, it, you know, it was just the way life was. It wasn't like I thought it was cool. Or anything, you know. A lot of people say, you know, it must have been cool growing up with you know musician parents, and but it's just like any other. It's just the way life was, you know. And 
didn't think much of it until, of course, now I see how much of an impact it had. Can you think of anything that either of them told you or both? What would be the, the best advice that each of them gave you about life, music, the business, anything? I'm curious. Well, they didn't, I mean, they didn't really teach, like, you know, a lot of people assume my mother taught me voice lessons and then my dad taught me piano lessons or whatever. I No, they didn't really actively teach me. But of course, every second they were teaching me through osmosis, me watching them, hearing them and being exposed to the lifestyle and watching the decisions that they made. Um, but I think what they instilled in me more than anything, and I'm grateful for this is just the humility, not just as a person, but as a musician, you know, like the, the humility and the, the duty that comes with playing this, carrying this music forward, um, that you have to, it's the, about the lineage that, I mean, you know, this, like, you know, the, that there are not a lot of genres nowadays, especially in popular mainstream where lineage is important. And I think that is the thing with jazz. You can hear it, even if it's a modern jazz musician or pianist or singer, you can hear if they've been checking out the ancestry. And that's what I, I think I'm grateful that they kind of instilled that in me as a kid. I remember when I was growing up, mom was, you know, she was kind of fighting the urge that people were like trying to, you know, brand her. Oh, she's a bebop singer or she's a songbook singer or she sings 20s music. And my mother tried to really get away from that. And I see that that's not really as uh, emphasized nowadays. So we have these young musicians my age and younger who are literally exposing themselves to everything they possibly can. I see that mm. a lot with people my age, actually. And if, if I don't, then I you know, pass that along. That's all we can do. Do you think that's because music is more accessible now? Because I've wondered about that, that now you can get everything. So if someone says, listen to this, listen, it's so easy to get it. I think it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, I think because it's so accessible, people just take it for granted. Uh, and they they just go to, you know, they do the easy thing. They find the, because I'll speak about, about singers, they find the Ella version or the Frank version and maybe Sarah version. But there's really like, I urge them, listen to every possible version you can, especially if there's one with the composer playing it, you know. Um, and I think that uh, because everything's accessible, then we're not, we don't have to work as hard to seek it out. So therefore we don't, <laughs> because it's there, we think, oh, I could just check it out tomorrow. I could just check it out anytime. It's there. It's not like you're in the library today and you have to get all your hands on everything you possibly can in this day. Because mm. mm. when, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I was you know going to the music library and checking out scores and old movies too. Like I'd rent a few, because my mom worked at UVA, works at UVA. So I'd go to the library and rent a, all the Fred Ginger movies and the MGM stuff and just as much as I could get for that week. Because that's such a great source for that music that people don't even talk about. I mean, I think about that's that. That's the source. Exactly. Like, that's where I first, first heard that. Right? I know. You exactly. love those movies. Oh, I do. Yeah. And that was it. That's what I came out of. I wanted to grow up to be in those movies. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> and, and I tell people, listen to Fred. If you're going to listen, if, look, listen to every version. But just so you know, most of these songs, the first version is probably Fred Astaire's. Because he literally, he, these were written for him to sing. He, 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 you think the laugh's on me. They all laughed at Christopher Columbus when he said the world was round. They all laughed when Edison recorded sound. 
They all laughed at Wilbur and his brother when they said that man could fly. They told Marconi wireless was a phony. It's the same old cry. They laughed at me, wanting you. Said I was reaching for the moon. But all you came through. Now they'll have to change their tune. They all said we never could be happy. They laughed at us and how. But ho, 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 who's got the last laugh now? I had learned how many, many times the worm had turned. They all laughed at Rockefeller Center. Now they're fighting to get in. They all laughed at Whitney and his cotton gin. They all laughed at Fulton and his steamboat, Hershey and his chocolate bar. Ford and his Lizzie kept the laughers busy. That's how people are. They laughed at me, wanting you. Said it would be hello, goodbye. But all you came through, now they're eating humble pie. They all said we'd never get together, darling, let's take a bow. For ho, 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 who's got the last laugh? And what the last laugh? Who's got the last laugh now? I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Well, speaking of different influences, I was delighted when you said that you had your rock influence. You brought me Queen. <laughs> I had you're giving to. me I told you that that you're my first opportunity to play Queen <laughs> on this show, which I love. So talk about this, because I know that or I've read that you spent a couple of years really singing and performing rock. Talk about that. Uh, well, um I mean jazz is here's how I explain it to people. Jazz music for me is quite literally and metaphorically, um, my family, the my blood running through my veins. And it's passion in terms of like a familial and roots passion. And then there's like classical, theater, rock, opera. And these are the passion that it's like a relationship, a fiery affair that goes up and down and what, every which way. So it's a very different kind of passion. Um, and when I was in school for jazz, you know, Jazz Voice, University of Miami, I was uh, de- dealing with a lot of frustrations as any, you know, in your music school, you're learning how to, you know, uh, de- delegate your time and your, your, you know, time management and patience with, and some classes you're like, why am I taking this? You know, and you find out later how, what, you know, how it serves you. And I was getting really frustrated uh, as any young you know, student would. And so I turned, and then of course my father had gotten cancer um, and the house, my house burnt down, my childhood home and all this loss. And 
um, I was turned to rock and roll because that was, you know, I didn't really, I mean, there's darkness in jazz, of course, but for me, it was what I appreciate about jazz is subtlety and in the hipness and the subtleties, but rock and opera were just so dramatic and theatrical. And I felt like I could really um, channel the anger I was experiencing with mm. that music. So I started a band down here and um, on top of playing jazz gigs, um, I was doing rock and roll gigs. So that brought this edge and fire into my jazz singing that I'd never had before. Um, so I think being exposed to different, I mean, every different kinds of drama, I mean, people my age listen to a lot of like electronic neo soul and they bring that into their music. And I think it, it adds to this music for an artist to be sincere and genuine. If they're continuing the tradition jazz you know, doesn't really mean one thing anymore. So I I always appreciate when artists can still pay homage to the tradition, but, mm. you know, put in, I mean, people say you're from the wrong decade. I actually think I'm from, I'm in the right time. So. <laughs> I love you saying that because, you know, they said that to me too. Apparently they say it to anybody who likes yeah. jazz because people were saying that to me when I was, starting out in this as right. a teenager. They would say the same thing. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. should have been born before. Like, oh, yeah. no, no, no. I'm bringing now to this, to what I'm doing. So, yeah. Yeah, I love you saying that. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with vocalist Veronica Swift about her CD, This Bitter Earth. The last record was really um, the personal narrative, you know, first breakout record. But this one, I, I had come up with the concept a few years ago, and I knew that if I just waited, I'd have the right moment to release it. And of course, as you heard, a lot of these songs, they just kind of address certain you know, issues globally that that we're kind of as a as a planet experiencing together, whether it's on the on the home front, you know, with certain we've all been in abusive relationships in some capacity or or even like on the global scale, like things like racism and 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 the fake news thing, you know, but it's not what I I think my favorite artists in history have somehow it's really difficult to do this. Um, they make a statement and have an impact on the listeners and influence them to try to think differently about these things without taking a stance and alienating your audience. And that's something I did not want to do because um, I want my music to speak to everyone, of course. Um, so that's kind of where I was going, you know, where I was going with this album and offering, you know, j just a, some semblance of hope for everything. 
Um, mm. And I heard that, you know, Dinah Washington, this bitter earth. And I, I actually sang it at the monk competition way back when I did that. Uh, Cause in response to the shootings in Paris and, uh, and I said, you know, why don't we put this in a, a minor key? Just take it to the relative minor for a di- it's a different, different song really. Um, and just trying to, what I try to do with this record was just get offer a different way of thinking about these things. Mm. This bitter earth What fruit it bears This bitter earth I don't know if this will surprise you or not, but He Hit Me in some ways is my favorite track. And I'll tell you why, because this has become, it's over the years since I was in my 20s. It's sort of a joke with my friends that I'm saying, I need to find a song to sing that isn't he beats me, kicks me, hits me, but I love him so. I love him anyway, because you and I both know there's loads of songs that in Can't some help way, loving that man of mine. Oh my word! Yeah. And it's on. And this is so powerfully presented the way you did it. I just think it's perfect. Thank you. Talk about this and your decision. It's it's really. Whew. Well, you know, Carol King is one of my favorites of all time, lyricists and and you know songwriters too. This, you know, the Crystals version is so. It's almost a joke listening to. It. I mean, it's great recording, great song quality, but it's just uncomfortable on a, in a different way. You're listening to it, and it's just that. That's what I wanted to do with this song, "Prisoner of Love," as well. It's just offering this uh, subject in the light of the person who's actively making the decision to stay in the relationship. Because we, I don't want. There's plenty of people like that, and I don't want them to feel alienated. And just offering their story as well. And issues like domestic abuse, you know, and that that sometimes, it, you know, it is pe- the people, it, it's their decision. We don't have, you know, a lot of times we look an outside looking in or like, you know, trying to, why don't you see that this is wrong and this? And I just hope that with that arrangement I did that it kind of offers a different way of looking at this kind of thing. He hit me. And it felt like a kiss He hit me But it didn't hurt me He couldn't stand to hear me say That I had been with someone new And when I had told him I had been untrue He hit me And it felt like 
he loved me If he didn't care for me I would have never made him mad But he hit me And I was It means a lot to me that you did it now and in contrast to the way people were thinking in a different time because people go through things and they don't even think about it. Yeah. You know, I know I, I told somebody about an experience that I had and she said, well, that was assault. That was sexual mm-hmm, assault. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't rape, but, you know, some guy grabbed mm-hmm, me when I was mm-hmm. at the airport and kissed me. You know, and I was just like a, a day in the life on the road. Right. right. <laughs> you know, there was a part of me, it wasn't that it was didn't, bother me. Yeah. But, you know, you travel, you know, as a woman, and especially as a young woman, if you're not traveling with other people, you're much more vulnerable to whatever's going to happen. I think, I mean, I'm another reason why I'm glad to be from this decade, this time, whatever, is because I actually haven't, and I do hear horror stories from other women my age, but I actually haven't experienced any kind of sexualization. Yeah, which which is fantastic. I'm blessed for that. I think, you know, but the universe that I have been, you know, with work, I've worked with respectful people and amazing team of musicians and, you know, management and all that stuff. And just, it's all about the music. Well, yeah. And, and you appreciate that. I know because when I came up there as, as an instrumentalist, there were never any other women instrumentalists. Exactly. Right. Ever. Yeah. I was always, I had a guy come up on they think, a, I Oh, was she's on the singer. A, yeah. Well, and it was in a festival being filmed and he came over, and I leaned up playing, thinking he was going to tell me about a key change. And he mm-hmm. took my face and kissed me <laughs> in the middle of the concert. You wow. know, and you're just like, Jeez. how does that? And I look back on that, and I don't think that would happen now. No, I don't think anybody not. could get away with Actually, it. Actually, I can't even, I have the opposite problem where I can't get a, a guy to go out with me. <laughs> it's like the opposite because men, men have become afraid to ask women out now. So it's the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, we need to combine it, you know, get it to go, you know, so it isn't one direction or the other, my word. The pendulum swings to and fro. Exactly, exactly. We'll talk about a totally different inspiration, Stravinsky, because I love that you brought me because you're giving me so much contrast to get to play. So talk about this. (laughs) Well, I mean, anytime you get the question, you know, what's your favorite song? That a terrible question, but people ask it. And I'd say, well, you know, not a song, but my favorite piece of music, if I have to say it's Rite of Spring. Mm. For me, I mean, as a kid, when I heard it, first of all, it was on Fantasia when you're a young kid hearing it. But then I, you know, listened to the full recording, which is, of course, more extensive. And I studied the score as a young person. And 
what I really appreciated about, loved and grasped about this piece more so than any other orchestral piece for me is that it invokes every single emotion that I have ever felt in my whole life in one 40 minute sitting. You know, you listen to songs for different, you know, I'm going to, I want to feel sad. So I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to feel happy. So I'm going to listen to that. And I mean, Rod of Spring literally for me has every single, you know, emotion and subtle subtleties of emotions that I've had, you know, all my entire life. And it's just, it's, it's got, it's classical music technically, but I mean, it's, it, you can hear the roots of jazz music and, and, and theater and rock and roll, like every genre is in there. And it's just, it's, he's, Stravinsky's my favorite, you know, and he was Charlie Parker's favorite too. I mean, you know what jazz musician doesn't dig Stravinsky? Leonard Bernstein and the Britain Springs Symphony on the Rite of Spring. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired.
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production, not funded by NPR. We're funded primarily by your donations. So please visit jazzinspired.com to chip in. No gift is too small. And please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. I'm talking with vocalist Veronica Swift about her new CD, This Bitter Earth. I was particularly taken with her version of You've Got to Be Carefully Taught. You know, you've heard South Pacific, and this is another version or example of a song where the, where it was, how it was originally written, even though it's, um, you know, from the original musical, it's, you know, you've got to be taught to hate dun, 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 major key. And I said, how can we do this completely differently? I love what do you call doing covers or standards, whatever, you know, and just completely dissecting it and recreating a new song while maintaining the original intent of the composer. And there was something so, um, just a juxtaposition of, with the original version of Carefully Taught, the sound uh, of the, the, of the composition, you know, just sonically and the content. And I said, that's in its own way is also really dark just like he hit me, you know, it's this kind of, you know, upbeat, you know, song about this really heavy stuff. So I thought, you know, I'm going to put it to like a really heavy kind of rock, you know, groove and put it minor key with lots of reharms that make it kind of angry and angsty. And I thought that that's what, if there's a way to do it in this time, that would be the way, because that's what we've all experienced in the last year. cheated before and I'm cheated again by a mean little world full of mean little men and the one chance for me is this life I know best to be here on this island to hell with the rest I'll cling to this island like a rock
Talk about Anita O'Day. I was mm-hmm. so glad you gave me this track because I know and it's just so <laughs> mind well, it's mind blowing to me. I mean, the tempo is incredible. Just talk about her. Well, I mean, she's everyone, every jazz singer listens to the big three, Ella, Sarah, Billy, and then they find their sound through the other, you know, channels of whether you go down Betty Carter and or or Shirley Horn or Lena Horn or you know, there's always um for me the lane was uh I really got into the Stan Kenton band. And then, of course, the big singers, Anita O'Day, June Christie. And, but I loved Anita so much because she kind of was like a a bebop version in terms of the spirit of how she sang, a bebop version of Billie Holiday. And and how she phrased, she, she approached phrasing like Billie, but over these, like, for example, this fast tempo, them, their eyes, uh, what is this thing called love? Uh, you know, the way you look tonight. Uh, she does, she just sails and soars over these fast tempos. And I wanted to sing like that. I'd never heard a, a singer quite capture that like her before. Also, she, her personality, she's like one of the boys. And that's, I, I you know, related to that. I, I was never, you know, in, in, on the inside, never one of those singers that, you know, like the Julie London type that, was never me. <laughs> I was, I, you know, sometimes I wear suits, and that was what I loved about her, uh, the personality as well, and it shone through. I've been in love with the first time I looked into them eyes. You've got a funny little way of flirting to them their eyes. They make me feel happy, how they make me feel blue. Fall in the great big way, boy, you've got my heart to jump and start at something. You better look out, boy, if you're wise. Sparkle and bubble, they get you in. Lot of trouble in their eyes. So talk about Bob Duro because I spent some time with him and it was just such a joy. Mm-hmm. And he was actually we were recording at a fancy apartment. A friend of mine, very, very, very you know, upscale, mm-hmm. and the doorman wouldn't let Bob in, and he thought it was. He funny. thought it was like he thought he was like a homeless person or a homeless. He did. He did. <laughs> I had to go down, and Bob thought this was the greatest thing ever, and he's looking at this incredible apartment that I borrowed to record in right. the city, and he goes, "Man, who would think Stride Piano would make you so much money?" As if this place was mine. <laughs> Oh, my God. I loved him so much. So talk about him because he was such a special talent spirit, as man. well as a, a yeah. special spirit. Talk about him. Yeah, my parents, uh, you know, in the 80s, late mid to late 80s, a lot of people left New York and went to the Poconos. Um, you know, Bill Goodwin's out there and, and Bob went there. Phil Woods was out there. 
And my parents were in that scene when they left New York City. And that's how we knew Bob. Uh, you know, Bob was a huge fan of Dad's, uh, loved his playing. And, of course, I grew up hanging out in the Poconos, and Bob was just Uncle Bob. And he'd always show me some obscure song that was always, it fit my age at the time. But he was always showing me all this music that my mom and dad had even never heard. He just had a, and he, of course, I'd listen to his compositions. I knew almost every song he wrote as a kid. And I was obsessed with his approach to composition and lyricism. Very unique and genuine to him and sincere. Um, so I record, I try to do at least one of his songs on every record. Um, and yeah, I've, he was he was one of a kind, one of a kind. I always think of Bob as the Grandma Moses of... <laughs> Of yeah, singers. yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Doesn't man, it seem like that? That's a really, I've never heard that before. That's really good uh, analogy. No, I, ju- I came up with it. I was trying to describe him to somebody right. who didn't know his work. It's hard. <laughs> and just, I said, just, yeah. I said, he's the Grandma Moses because it mm-hmm. seems so naive and childlike, but it's so incredibly <laughs> profoundly yeah. hip. And wise. He's got his wisdom of his sound too. But I, what I love is that he, no one phrases like him, like where he, he sound, he's so, he has this clear conviction with where he's landing certain words in the phrase, but it doesn't sound calculated. It's just natural. Like, like I saw you first. How well do I remember a stranger on the street? And when I, kind of, it's just anyone who tries to sound like it will sound like they're calculating like a computer, but he, he just, that's what I love about his singing too. Comes a temptation. I never resist it. Love is a danger. I'm willing to risk it. You are that danger. And danger's why owe you. And so you better not come walking through my door or I'll throw away the key. You better not go messing around my heart. You'll end up hurting me. You've got the kind of eyes that I could go for. You've got the kind of lips that make me want to know more. So you better not say nice things just for me Or I'll tum tum tumble down And if you ever smile That secret smile, that lover's smile I'll drown You're just the kind of a girl I always dreamed of But whom I'd never meet it seemed Of course you know That once the flame has started You got to let it burn and glow Or I'll be broken hearted Please say you love me or set me free Cause you're the dangerous type of a girl for me I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with vocalist Veronica Swift about her new CD, This Bitter Earth. How lovely to be a woman. This Uh was another one, another track. Talk about this track. Well, of course, you know, you and I talk about, we love these great musicals, and I grew up watching all the musicals, and Bye Bye Birdie, of course, being one of them, has some great songs in it. Um, And I always loved that song, How Lovely to Be a Woman, but... You know, when, she, when she's, Anne margarets kind of doing the, she's like taking off her clothes under the sweater and she's singing about like, she's almost singing like a child. It's the same thing, like naivete. But I, you know, I always wanted to do that song where I said, how can I put my spin on it? That's what, you know, I always influence, try to influence my young singer students. Like, great. So now you do all these songs. Now what's your story with this? And, um... With everything going on in the world right now, with women getting the the the, uh, the power, more power, and the um, you know, and just be, just becoming more of a there's more equality 
nowadays and um it's the time for women really um i i kind of wanted to do that song as a little bit of it's there's a little bit of uh cynicism in it because there's a line in there it's a how lovely to be a woman and have one job to do as if it's like what and then one job <laughs> like seriously to pick out a boy and train him and then when you are through and and so i do that so i arranged it with a little bit of like a ominous chord progression there as we to kind of like you know play off on the the joke of what that line is mm. so i tried to like have a little hint of both uh rejoicing in the fact that this is a mm. good time to be a woman as well as mocking what it you know used to be how it used mm. to be and the role a woman had in society two couple generations ago about the Lambert Hendricks and Ross. Well, I had to put something on this list of songs my the songs that influenced me. I had to put something on that was just all scatting. Uh, you know, and, and that, to me that is the that live performance of Origin by Lambert Hendricks and Ross is the best uh you know, I- I- example of not just scatting but trading between Dave Lambert and John Hendricks. There's a bit where they're trading and that you they're just playing off each other in such a way that's so conversational. More so than I've ever heard anybody do live before, like, you know, <laughs> on recording or live. I mean, just the ingenious um, approach to, you know, most people. I don't even really like scatting all that much when I hear most people do it. And I try to keep it pretty sparse in my show. But uh, there's just no better person to pick than John Hendricks. I mean, he literally was an instrument. Um, and also, yeah, vocalese master. And I, my mom used to sing in his group back in the 80s. So I was exposed to all that music probably before I was singing any songbook, really. Mm. So all the bebop and vocalese classics. Wait, on the map. I backwards, 
John Hendricks on his solo from a live performance of Erigen with Lambert Hendricks and Ross. I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with vocalist Veronica Swift. How do you tell your your students to practice scatting? Well, at first I say, who are you listening to? But some of them really just listen to Ella, John, me. I'm like, what are you doing? Listen, well, you know, who did Ella and John listen to? Listen to who they were listening to. Listen to, start with, I, you know, give them a few to start with. Like Lester Young is really vocal and he has a linear approach and he's really good to start and write some vocalese of your own when you're learning solos because that helps kind of get into how an instrumentalist is approaching a solo and how they're telling a story through improvisation. No, I always tell young singers, like, play an instrument, uh, especially if, you know, you want to play a horn instrument so you can understand articulation. Mm. Pick up, you know what it's like to pick up a trumpet and play what you're hearing, what you want to scat. And and I, I have a couple other exercises I do that really, um, you know, it helped me to understand how to hear uh, changing, you know, tonal centers and mm. like going around the circle of fourths and fifths and doing different, you know, lines like and just go around and just exercises that really helped me and approaching, you know, you know, it's, you're an instrumentalist. It's- <laughs> but it's great to hear you talk about it because I think a lot of people just think they can just do it, you know, that they're yeah. not, and they could just jump in. And, and I love to have, I like to think this show is educational mm-hmm. for instrumentalists or singers who listen mm-hmm. to this. And so I love somebody who's great at it to be able to uh, give an example. Thanks. Well, yeah, that. you know, just like if you want to, if you're trying to sound like an instrumentalist, then listen to instrumentalists improvising. I mean, it, it kind of and pick up an instrument. That's the best advice that someone gave me when I was younger. I love how eloquent you are. I'm not so... Uh, no. <laughs> I listen to your I interviews you and you're so, sometimes I'm like, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> no, well, thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you. I think you are too. So thank you. <laughs> Alone from night to night you find me Too weak to break these chains that bind me I need no shackles to remind me 
just a prisoner of love For one command I stand and wait now For one who's master of my fate now I can't escape for it's too late now I'm just a prisoner What's the good of my caring? You're presently in a recording studio, in your recording yeah. studio. Mm-hmm. So talk about this. You're working on something else and how you're just adapting to this whole crazy time that we're in. Um, I, I, I'm adapting, but I'm not, I'm not uh, leaving behind the fact that I, I still am a live performer. You know, I can't, the live stream thing works just for the time being, but I'm not, a, I'm not going to be that way forever. So I, um, just until I can perform again, I'm just getting, this has actually been a blessing in disguise, this whole situation that I've, now I have the time to really reassess, you know, where I'm going. Cause I was on such a fast track for a while that I didn't, I wasn't getting to do input everything that I wanted to do, uh, you know, in terms of other genre experiences and also acting as well and writing. Cause I write, uh, screenplays and writing for shorts and just other kinds of, cause I, I don't like to call myself a jazz singer per se. I like to call myself storytelling is the brand here. And whether that is jazz singing or, or acting or writing and composition, I mean, it's all, that's the real genre is storytelling. And so any chance I get to do that, um, actually it's, it's kind of like taking a, a rest, you know, when you've been touring so much and then you go in the studio, it's like a rest from the touring, then you're in the studio, then you do that for a while, and then you take a rest from that, you're recharged and refueled to go back out on the road. So that's just how I'm seeing this. I'm not, you know, I'm also enjoying my time at home right now, but like everyone, um, but when I get restless, I just travel down to Florida in my car and get in, get in my studio. And, um, you know, sometimes we'll be composing a classical piece. Sometimes it'll be a jazz piece. Sometimes it'll be rock and rolling. And what I love about my favorite artists, like, you know, Nina Simone, and whose birthday was just a couple of days ago, and a lot of my heroes, they really don't have a genre. You just think of, you hear Nina Simone, that's the genre, right? And so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, one day I can find a, a cohesive sound that is just the name and that's what I'm working out right now. It takes time. Um, I like know. that, though. I, I like that a lot because I think that I had someone tell me that a long time ago, early when I was probably about your age, mm-hmm. something about that, that that was the goal. And that's before people were talking about things like that. He said, yeah. you just want people to think Judy Carmichael and think, I want to go hear her yeah. and not think exactly. one direction, another, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And I think... I love you saying in a positive way what you've gotten from this time because it's it's a horrible time and challenging time and it's all the things that we know are going on for and a tragic time yeah. for many. But if we're fortunate enough to be healthy and to be able to use this time in a way that makes us look at things differently. Yeah. Because I've I've written more. It's like what you're saying. I thought, what can I do with this time? Because I'm actually home. Mm-hmm. Because most of us, if we're fortunate, we're, we're touring. Mm-hmm. And we're not now. So, But that's going to come back. And it's so. also making me realize that I cannot sustain a, a life creatively 
the way I was doing before. So actually mm. now I'm, you know, I'm taking less gigs, but, you know, gigs, that, but, but just like trying to reassess my time in a way that makes sense. And, um, just reinventing a little bit, you know, mm. not, not changing too much, but just, just a reinventing of what do I need to do to stay healthy? Cause this instrument, as you, the more you use it, it, you know, I want to be able to sing for a long time. Thank you very much. And well, and just the travel is yeah. very, very hard. I noticed that yeah. with myself because I'm good at it. So you can get to where you don't even notice how much it's wearing you exactly. out. And that's because you're just yeah. accommodating it. And then yeah. you think, oh, I'm a road warrior. I'm tough. And then all of a sudden you're like <laughs> 20 years down the road. You, you have no voice left. Yeah. And I don't yeah. want to be that way. And But I, I've really noticed that um, also taking this time to realize what and think about what jazz is to me, at mm. least. It's something different to everyone. Oh, that's interesting. And what is it? Well, I, to, for me, I, I, I actually, my, my manager, Bobby, he talks, tells me the story that probably puts it better than I could. So if I can do the story justice, there's this restaurant called 11 Madison Park. Uh, it's like, you know, it got written up in um, this, this uh, you know, this one, 10 great places to eat in the world. And there was only one in America, the United States, and that was 11 Madison Park. And um, I remember Bobby was on the phone with, um, I'm trying to make a reservation, and the, the music on hold was Solar, Miles Davis. And then he, he, he was on hold for so long, but he was listening to Solar over and over again. And then he gets back on the phone. He says, do you guys realize... You're playing solar, <laughs> you know, and then and then it just so then he did some digging and and you know he went to the I think he went to the kitchen and saw like Miles Davis posters everywhere and he's like what is what's that about, you know you guys are one of the great restaurants in the world what's what is it about Miles Davis and I think when they were written up before they you know the review was this is one of the great restaurants it would be that the only thing that could make it better is more Miles Davis. Whatever that means, you know, like what I, you know, this restaurant, like what do you, they didn't know what that meant, so they checked out Miles Davis, these chefs and the business managers, and they then they got it. They said, okay, in, innovative, you know, out of the box creativity, and you know, just no nonsense, not not succumbing to what necessarily what people are, you know, expect. Yeah, yeah, you're like the trailblazers. Yeah. And you're ahead of these trends. And to me, that's kind of what jazz, you know, it's the attitude of that. Mm. Um, and, and that's what it is and what it should be. Mm-hmm. I think to me, that's what I, I think of jazz being it, not necessarily a genre anymore. You know, have bebop and swing and this and that. But if, if it, it's improvisational and innovative under the circumstances, yeah, I think that's what jazz is really. I love that. I love that. And I love that we got together at long Thank last. Thank you for having me. And we here. were able to do this. Thank you so yeah. much. Your the new show CD rocks. Wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to my conversation with Veronica Swift. 
I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another celebrated creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms or at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons and Jazz Times. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stride Queen. For more information, visit judycarmichael.com or jazzinspired.com. 